There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Bowen. And we want to introduce you to the new cantina menu at Taco Bell. Ooh! It's an all-new chicken menu with fresh new ingredients. Great as a lunchtime option. Taste for yourself. The slow-roasted chicken, mm. pico de gallo, oh. purple cabbage, Yummy. and new avocado verde salsa sauce. Okay! With new menu options like cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla, there's something for everyone. With this new cantina chicken menu, the possibilities are endless. Try the new cantina Tina chicken menu at Taco Bell. Do you want to boost the economy like Taylor Swift? Do you want to run a business empire like Rihanna? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Look, man. Where? Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, my. Oh, and look over there. Wow. Is that Ooh. culture? Oh, yes. Goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong. Las Culturistas calling. And uh, it's a little bit of a tradition. It's a little bit of a yearly tradition. It's a bit of a yearly tradition, as I think what's face Tevya said. I'm sorry, I did not understand. I believe it was Tevya who said tradition, tradition. Oh, is this from Fiddler? Fiddler. You yes. need to know more Jewish culture. I do. I do. And especially after, I mean, Jews have been trending. The word Jews has been trending all week on Twitter. Isn't that <laughs> chilling? Our guest is already shaking her head, being like, why are you going in this direction? Because Nick Cannon popped off and said all that crazy stuff. Yeah, I have to say, celebrities have been sort of losing their off. minds. It's almost like they, too, as human beings, are going through the same things that we all are. You know, you have to kill the Karen inside your brain, your head. <laughs> have you killed your Karen? Oh, no, she is. <laughs> she is going around, shutting down, shutting down everything. Shutting no, down know. everything. No, uh, You know what gags me? Yeah. That that sort of Kate Gosselin haircut. We've mm. talked about this. Yeah, but okay, so I have something to reveal. So I am working on a new show. Yes. It's called Hot Dog. Yes. It's going to be on HBO Max. Can you talk about this? I actually, I asked if I could talk about it and they confirmed that I could. God bless. How much can you reveal? Because there's so much good. There's so much good stuff to reveal and I'll talk about it on the app because it's part of my summer of cunt. Yes. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But I wanted to just say up top that I had my hairstylist on the show. Yes. (laughs) 
His name is Dean. Yep. Hi, Dean. He did the original American Idol season one hairstyles. So when he told for me everyone, this, for all of them, so including like Tamira, including Tamira, she okay. I'm telling you, like iconic Justin, hairdos. Justin. He like they were like they basically were like Nikki. N- so this is this is where it all connects back. Okay, Nikki McKibben had the original Karen haircut. Wow, Think and uh, we can confirm because you can't really. You thought it was Kate Goslin. No, it's Nikki McKibben. I mean, famously, really, as our guest aptly put it in the sketch, um, the Mother's Day sketch, uh, an SNL years ago, cascading waterfall in the front and knives in the back. Yes. That is pioneered by By Nikki McKibben and this gentleman, Dean. Who is now doing your hair. Who does my hair. And I I said to him as a joke, I was like, so did you give Kelly Clarkson her iconic chunky blonde highlights? And he was like, actually, yes. Wow. And I was like, what? And he was like, but that was a mistake. And I was like, it was not, not a, mistake. a mistake. It was, in fact, one of the most iconic things that's happened in hair history. It's like the invention of penicillin. It was by accident, but it was it changed the world. I mean, and then I told that to my mom, and my mom goes, well, he started a trend. Yes. And I was like, did it really start a trend? Did women start getting those blonde streaky, uh, streaky highlights? Our guest is, is shaking her head, yes. I think we can give Dean the credit. and But for... To originate the chunky highlight and the Karen haircut. And the Karen haircut, and not for nothing but maintain the integrity of Justin Guarini's curls. My God. He also was responsible, really, for like the Ryan Seacrest hair moment, which yes. was the flat iron of it all. Think about this iconic person. Was was Dean, now you have to ask Dean if he worked on season two as well. Because he two, did work on season two. And I got, I got more intel about that. About Clay and Kimberly Locke. Oh, you know that he was responsible Trinice. for Kimberly Locke's glow up. I got all the tea, a lot of which I cannot say on here. Of course. Because it's too G-O-O-D-D-D-D-D-D-D good. Um, I was I was going down a Trinice rabbit hole the other night. And it's she a good rabbit great hole. Moments. She, she had some great moments. I was voting for Trinice to the bitter end. I was voting for Trinice several weeks in a row, I remember. I, I, I was very crestfallen when she was eliminated. Crestfallen. Um, crestfallen. Mm. And wow, Dean, what what an impact. An icon. And he's got an iconic beard. Um, okay. But listen, um, speaking of iconic, we have the th- the third of our series here. Well, this is her fourth time on. Fourth time on. And I guess like, what, like six or seventh time on the podcast. Six or seventh time on the podcast. She was, okay, so I think she planted the seed mm-hmm. in the way that we on this podcast have talked about Ellen. This actually is huge, and I was thinking about this, because look, if you go back all the way to Las Culturistas' third episode, episode. which had our guest, or you no, can- fourth, I believe. Oh, yeah, fourth episode, because it was Anna Dresden, Dave Mazzoni, then our guest. I think so. Something like that. Perhaps. A- anyway, very early on, we literally have an episode called Ellen. It's 2016, and, the, and Ellen in the year 2016. Is- and we were speaking out even then. It you was me. were. It was me who was saying- I had a bad feeling about Alan. And you're so right. I was dead on. You were a thought leader in that way. I mean, here's the deal about the Ellen of it all. And after we say this, we can talk about it for this for a second, and then we have to bring in the guest. But here's the deal. Mm -hmm. I feel that this news cycle about Ellen's show being a toxic behavior, being a toxic workplace, Rather, reported on by BuzzFeed. Reported on by BuzzFeed. If, By the way, if you're curious, yes, we are drinking... 
on this episode. We're having a brunch moment. I'm having a vodka watermelon cayenne drink. Bowen and our guest are drinking watermelon vodkas. You're, uh, I'm sorry, you you were drinking a watermelon bourbon yeah. drink. You yes. said vodka. Yes. Oh, I'm drinking a, so you already see its effect. Yes. I'm drinking a watermelon bourbon. They're drinking watermelon vodkas. Mm-hmm. And so understand that as as you listen. Yeah. But I um never had a good feeling about Ellen from the beginning because of the way she handled the Matthew Fox alleged like well, that punching was... a woman in the stomach incident. Yeah. And and so now a public transit worker, public transit worker, you know, alleged I just didn't love the way that it, it came off on there's, her there's show. There's footage. The thing that I'm reacting to about this Ellen moment is it's being very pawned off on her executive producers. And here's the deal. It's like Ellen didn't get to be Ellen by just clocking in, coming to work and doing Ellen and going home. Ellen, if your name is on that show, you are responsible for the workplace environment. And you've got more than 10 people saying that it's toxic and not appropriate. And so and just in terms of the culture of like bullying there. Yeah. So she is responsible for that. And also things trickle down from the top. So it's not this thing that just the executive producers on her show have to deal with. It's something that she has to deal with. Yeah. It's really disturbing and really disappointing. And it feels like, God, I mean, the the, the comment that's most chilling to me is um, one black employee, I think a writer or someone uh, walked in and then a uh, producer was like, oh, you have box braids too? Well, we're, we'll get you confused with the other one. Oh, come on. Like that, it's like that kind of shit. It's like, wait, it's not even like sophisticated Ugh. thought. Not that any racist thought is even sophisticated, but it's like, Just whoa, come whoa. on. It's just so crazy that people feel comfortable to make comments like that. And it is her responsibility because it is her face and brand. And I'm sorry, but what's bothering me, it always has bothered me, is the dichotomy of what appears on screen and what goes on behind the scenes. Because everyone knows that works in this industry that she has a reputation for not being nice. And so for her brand to be, I'm the nicest woman in Hollywood, it just it's 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 lies and it's it's just the sort of um stuff that I hate about the industry, which is that no one is actually projecting reality. Sure. Except our guest. Except our guest. You know, the only real person in Hollywood is our guest. Is our guest. And um we should say that um <laughs> the Ellen discourse, which we started on this podcast, eventually bled out into Patty Harrison's feud with Ellen that she's accounted but it all started here before you start to give patty harrison too oh. much credit because talk about toxic talk about i toxic. mean that one a and toxic her toxic fool a tree fool a tree <laughs> and someone who has contributed to the rise of patty even mm. our guest wow she, she was like shaking her head like what the fuck i she have to say this. i don't think our guest had anything to do with the no, rise I'm- of patty and for you no, to say that i'm gonna patty if you're listening uh you owe our guest <laughs> This is so psycho. Your career. <laughs> you do. I think that Bowen is saying that because our guest is, you know, iconically and famously a writer on Shrill. A real mover and shaker real on mover Shrill. mover and shaker on Shrill. And not only that, I mean, in addition to that, she is a writer at Saturday Night Live, which I think you know. You know more about how, how she moves and shakes over there. Yes. She's, um, she's very much a leader. Sets the tone. A thought leader. Thought leader at SNL. Um, kind of <laughs> has influence over the Thursday rewrite table lunch. Like, wow. Gets to sort of press her thumb on the scale for <laughs> what kind of lunch. Wait, really? Ordered. My priorities, clearly. <laughs> like, and what are we going to eat? It's very important. <laughs> very important. I, oh, I, this is why I want to, I, I really, I feel like I have like a, 
proximity to the show because you guys are on it but yes. i also like don't understand like what you guys are eating for lunch yeah you know what i mean so like there's always more i could know very important this is the split cider article that we're missing food like bad all right so before we start to absolutely oh, giggle shit. too much sorry and br- because the wall's already been broken <laughs> let's just say um lots of things uh in store in the future for our guests as well yes so. that's true um so yes, this is our third installment of Summer of Cunt. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute for people who are new to the concept. She's one of our best friends mm-hmm. for a, a, over a decade for, now. Well, for, let's just get this straight. Okay. For me, over a decade. And what about for me? I don't know your life. I, was, I, don't, I don't know the intimate details of your life. But what, can you say the first time, day that you met our guest? Yes, I remember. I've told her this recently. I was like, I distinctly Does she remember. Know it and can she finish your sentence? Yes, while you she can. Um, okay, so let's bring her into the conversation. Everyone, please give uh, a welcome into your ears to Sudi Green. Hi. Hi. How are you even? Oh, God, I'm so good. I'm thinking about lunch now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so am I, to be honest. Wait, what is the deal with SNL lunch? It's bad. That's <laughs> the deal. It's that, uh, like, we don't get fed there. It's so funny. I apparently, like, they it use... It breaks a guild rule. It has to. No, this is what happened. Which <laughs> Yo. Is like... Yo. Guild, honey. Guild. Call up the guild. Call up the guild. Uh, Call we up can't the get guild. started on the guild, because you know I'm I'm now all guild. I yes. know you are the WGA. Lady. What, what do they call it? Captain. You are the WGA, WGA captain, captain for Shrill. For Shrill, as of um, three days ago, and then that morning I was told, and then that evening, honey, I'm at the meeting. Yeah. She's at the Zoom meeting. And you <laughs> would rather be at the meeting than not, because I told you, I was like... I, you were I, immediately like, that's fucking disgusting. No, I didn't say that's fucking <laughs> disgusting. I said, I said, you already do so much work. You yeah. have two yeah. jobs. You're so you're so busy all the time. I just know that like adding another thing to your schedule, which is like another duty, I was like, is that something you want to do? But you said absolutely. The fight for justice. <laughs> Unions, collective work. Yes. Writers, trumbo, honey. Trumbo. trumbo. Never forget. Never forget Trumbo. It's a real culture number four. That Never forget, forget Trumbo. That is not um, a burden. Okay. Yes. That is actually that's actually a purpose. Okay. Okay. That's duty. That's duty. It's honey. collectivism. Juicy. Collectivism over individualism. It's honey. actually so funny because I mean we got to start it off talking about the WGA. <laughs> I mean, do we to. not? Okay. Lunch leads to WGA. It's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> the, my, have you guys seen when Chelsea Peretti yes, um, hosted the WGA West like WGA Awards? Yeah. And she's it's the funniest monologue in the world. It's like joke for joke, so funny. It's also like written like to me for me. Like so that's why I love it. It was WGA humor it was <laughs> and um probably the smartest kind she smartest. comes out on stage be, funny. she comes out on stage and it's like a ballroom people are like eating eating dinner or whatever and <laughs> it's like noisy and to get everybody quiet down she goes lunch is here sorry i just wanted everybody to pay attention <laughs> Oh my God! Writers' room, absolutely joke. Absolutely joke. I Lampoon. love that. She's so good. She's so good. Uh, Bowen and I have been doing a bit because we're now roommates. We're roommates. Yes. So we should just say, be transparent. Sudi and Bowen, as as you know, Bowen is here in Los Angeles as yes. of the moment, and Sudi is here as well. They're staying together in a gorgeous sort of home in Altadena. Gorgeous sort of home. Uh, and I say sort of home because it's the home it's- in the back. 
It's a prefab home built in the 40s by an architect, Gregory Ain. He built a bunch of architectural park formats. Are you fucking kidding? You know all this? I, oh, oh, we were told. Our Airbnb host, Randy. We have to talk about Randy soon, but hold on. Let's put a pin in that. Yeah. Um, Randy is an iconic Airbnb host, we uh-huh. have to say. Um, but yes, Sudi and I are, are Sudi and I are in, have been in each other's cohabitating pods. And then, of course, Matt's in our grander I'm pod. in the pod. But Who like the, is it really in our pod? It's us two, us three. Jared. Jared. Your boyfriend, Joel Kimbooster. Joel Kimbooster. And then we see Lewis for Drag Race. And Lewis comes over for Drag Race. Yeah. And, and, and Lewis is also being very, being very And Greta. Good. And Greta. And we is see Greta every people? now and then. I, I mean, I guess it's going to be up to the, the listeners. I feel like I've seen, consistently I've seen between five and six people who have only seen us. Who have only seen us and all of us in the pot are getting tested weekly. I actually get tested every day now. And you get tested every day because Matt's in production scandalously. Mm, no, I don't know, think and you know, It's not scandalous. We're being as safe as we can. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, I mean, everything has risk, right? Everything has a risk. But I mean, I mean, being, I mean, we're, 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 we're being safe. We're being, we're being safe. I mean, as safe as you can. As, as safe as you can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, we're, it's all about what. Our, uh, you got to communicate. You got to be communicate. transparent. And you gotta, and and like you know, we're moving into we're moving into a phase where 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 it's 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 not absence. It's it's safe sex. It's safe sex. It's safe sex. And 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 you gotta and, and your mental health and you gotta balance it. <laughs> yes. You gotta balance it. But I'm not seeing any old people. I'm not uh, no. seeing old people. No, 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 no. 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 I, no. I have to say, I, as I, safe as you can. To be totally be. real, I would not see anyone if I felt there was risk. And yes. I, and I feel oh, everything is <laughs> risk. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just a bit of matter of just assessing it on your own. Of course, I, the, really the conversation around coronavirus it does start with a well, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and it does end with a and you know, so, um, you know. so we're, we're we're being as safe as we can be. Yeah. But we're really we're really grateful and we're really lucky. Yeah. We're really. Lucky. <laughs> you know, we should say on a serious on a serious note, we are very lucky. The three of us, very lucky. Very lucky girls. Um, I I literally do feel lucky to be. I'm I'm actually working right now. And it feels very good to do that. And I will say, in terms of, like, this set is run so safely. Yeah. So can I talk about the show a little Please bit? Please talk about the show. All right, because I've been telling you guys about it, but I do want to tell everyone about it because I'm so excited about it. And, like, you guys are going to love it, and I feel like everyone's going to love it. It's, it's a hit show. It's a hit show I think already. it's a hit. So it's called Hot Dog. H-A-U-T-E H-A-U-T-E hot. H-A-U-T-E hot which is I'll- it hot or is it oat? oat? See, we are not pronouncing it like oats. Uh, like, it's not, but the the but, reference is haute couture, but the pronunciation is hot but dog. But there's an alternative pronunciation, which is you split the difference, and it's haute dog. Host. It would be it would be haute dog. See, and it's not. <laughs> See, no, and, it is. See, it's like it's pronounced hot dog. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, and yeah. spelled haute dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say <laughs> basically what it is before we get to off the damn rails about the fucking title <laughs> is it's a dog grooming competition show. It's nailed it, but with dog Nail The picture nailed it, but it's dog grooming. And I'm not talking about people that like have never no, groomed a dog good before. No, it's good groomers. No, it's really competitive, like skilled groomers. Skilled groomers from all across the country that come to compete. Three competitors compete. They have a first round, which is like they all get the same dog, and they have to do like a cut, dry, wash, like basic same breed of test. dog, same breed. Okay, not the same single dog. No, 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 yeah, no. They yeah. all get the same breed of dog. So, for example, like three Westies will come in, cute, and the job will be like y'all have to 
cut, dry, wash the dog and show us like the breed standard of that dog, yes. et, cetera, et cetera. And then the second one is the main challenge. And that's like, they get to bring a dog of their own choosing, whatever dog they want. And they basically style it, cut it, like color it into a theme. So if a theme is like Hollywood glamour, like the theme is like, <laughs> get, I'm serious. It's the cutest thing ever. It's like, get the dog ready for the Oscars red carpet. There's the breed a, standard of Hollywood glamour. glamour. Yeah. Is. And that of course is Margot Robbie. Um, oh. uh, but basically that it's like every episode is a different theme. So it's like a toy theme. There's like a disco theme. Western. Country theme. Western. I love Western. a theme. As long as it's not circus. We were talking about this we the other day. We circus. hate circus. Oh my God. I literally thought to myself yesterday as I was like getting out of makeup, I was like, I realized I don't know all the themes. And I was like, I wonder if they're doing circus because oh, I no. hate circus. We theme. all hate circus. Legendary. Ever since the circus theme on Legendary, we, we've all agreed that like, there's I don't like that aesthetic. It's a bad aesthetic and it's a limited, there's limited motifs within that aesthetic. It's like, okay, you do like a, a clown, a clown or a, a stripes or yeah. top hat. It's also like, you know, Britney did it. Now Katy Perry is doing it. And Pink did it. We don't need this topsy turvy kind of like big top aesthetic anymore. It's done. We've seen the skirt. We've seen the little like baton. We don't need it. And also, I'm going to put a caveat on that. And I don't I don't like magicians. I don't like magic either. We were I don't like Sudi it. Sudi and I were watching Midnight Gospel. And the, the fuck is that? It's that um show, that um Pelton Ward show. Uh, but it pulls audio from this uh, this podcast that's like about meditation and transcendental stuff. Or, okay, for me, pass. But it's, it's great. But the third episode is that he talks to a magician. And then, <laughs> I was like, skip. <laughs> skip it. We were so high. And I was like, I don't like this. I don't like magicians. You need to skip it now. Yeah. Sh- Sudi shut it down very quickly. And I was like, okay, so there's something going on here. You know, there's also like, what is funny about like a very successful magician is that like showman trickery kind of like, it's not art and it's not real magic no it's and not it, magic. it's trickery which yes. i don't like and then there's that like ponytail showman vibe yeah. which is really gross yeah and like sleight of hand which is i don't trust personally no then you have like popping off of that base reality you get like the cool magicians which mm-hmm. is like i'm not your standard magician i'm actually a cool magician i have abs yeah yeah and i and and then and then don't even get me into the subset of women who date magicians oh yeah i mean it's it's what it really is is it's a representation for me of male privilege and the fact that you can be kind of the worst type of man in the world, which is a magician, and um, <laughs> date a model. David Blaine found dead. <laughs> David Blaine found dead. Well, this is the thing, because now magician they culture- They do date hot women. They do. Well, the magician culture has- Magician culture is circulating yourself with a hot woman. 100%. But now, right about that. now it's sort of bled into TikTok culture. Where this, the origin of these are all cakes is magicians on TikTok. Mm. And I called this out back in January. Um, with Miss Maureen Dowd. <laughs> she asked me, like, what's freaking you out right now is, like, magicians on TikTok who will pour water into a glass and then take a knife and cut into it and it's a chocolate cake. And you're like, how the, do they do that? But it's this is what it is. It's them distorting reality and making you question reality. It's not art. It's, it's trickery. Not art. It's trickery. And also, my thing with the cakes 
on the Instagram that they cut over, which is where is the frosting? Where's if the there's frosting? Not it's a just layer fondant. Of, some of them are just fondant. Some of them that you cut them open and it's just like Betty Crocker cake. Yeah. No, it, that's a dry just material. That's yes. not cake. You need at least one layer of frosting in the cutting cake. Yeah. Otherwise, I would agree. Otherwise, it's just. It's just like it's a just, baked good. It's just a brownie, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a banana bread. It's just... That's um, not cake. Right, exactly. I totally agree. I have I actually have a little bit of tea to spill about the... I, which I forgot to say on the last episode, but concerning the circus aesthetic with pop stars, get this. So at the era of time when Britney released Circus and Pink had Funhouse out, yes. you'll remember... This also was the era when Kelly Clarkson released All I Ever Wanted, her album, which had the singles My Life Would Suck Without You, I Do Not Hook Up, Already Gone, etc. Not a good album. No, 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 no. I think a great album. Well, no, she did not enjoy that experience. Well, this was her sort of like white flag album because she tried to do My December and then she came back and she was like, I'll I'll be a pop pop, star again, fine. Mm -hmm. But one thing she did not submit to was that album was supposed to be called Masquerade. Wow. And she, the front cover was supposed to be her like with a little like Phantom of the Opera sort of mask on. Uh-huh. And she said, too many girls are doing this circus thing. Mm. So no. But if you look at the sort of album art, it's her in like a black jacket yes. against like a sort of- Orange and pink. Yes, like yeah. a circus thing. Yeah. So they kept the circus- Color story. Color story. But she was like, I want to be styled normal and we'll call the album all I ever wanted. We're not calling it Masquerade, but the album was supposed to be called Masquerade. Masquerade. And she was like, too many girls are doing the circus thing. Interesting. There's too many circus girls and we need a pivot <laughs> and we need a pivot wait did I finish talking about hot dog well the, the, I mean the last thing I really have to say about it is I'm having the best time and it's it's me Jess Rona who is like incredible she's like the head judge she's like the expert she's got a really amazing you should all follow her on Instagram if you don't already Jess because Rona. she's like a celebrity dog groomer so she she grooms like Katy Perry's dog mm-hmm. nugget she grooms like you know jane lynch's dog she grooms like megan Mullally's dog she's like a celebrity dog groomer and so she really knows what the fuck she's talking about and the other judge is robin feedy who i fucking love huge i love Icon. her and she's she loves incredible. you sudi i fucking love robin feedy and her stoyle yeah 20. oh forget about the fashions on this show forget about it it's oat honey she looks she looks haute couture is, and- she, is she wearing fascinators I think she's wearing some some head pieces, some little small little hats. Fascinator she, uh, is a tiny hat. You that's can too small. You for can your hat. you can look forward to to at least a couple tiny hats. Uh huh. <laughs> um, and she remembered you from when she interviewed you for the nightly show. <gasps> oh shit! I forgot about that. Yeah, she she said that she remembered you from when you guys like had coffee and talked about you years ago interviewing for the nightly show and like a job you didn't get, but she said it wasn't because you weren't amazing. And she remembers you from that. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. So I remember this was like, I think after W Kamau Bell, this was after W Kamau Bell. So like I showcased for SNL one summer and then the next summer I submitted a packet and I got it. And so like, there was like that year where I was like going out for things all the time. And so, they did the nightly show. This is why I'm a hack and this is why um, I'm bad. Um, they did a nightly show showcase at UCB East. Oh. And this was... Um, to be oh, a, I to remember be a when you did this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be a correspondent. Yeah. And I was like, okay, bitch, you got to pull out your damn 
Middle Eastern ass mustache jasmine bitch material. (laughs) And you know I had multiples upon multiples of being like, salam, salam, salam. You You know what I mean? You absolutely have to get the damn And before you said, before you went on, you said, inshallah, I booked this. I said, inshallah, I booked this. Uh And I said, Merci, Aga, Larry Vilmore. <laughs> I am not in your everyday. Larry Vilmore. Aga, Larry Vilmore. He's it's, he's he's comedy is very political. <laughs> 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 and um, anyway, so I did like all of my like capital P Persian um material, and I was like, they're gonna fucking eat this up. And guess what, bitch? They did. But was I hired for the job? No, I Who wasn't. Who got but that? She was was it Francesca? I don't. I, I think don't Francesca really started out. So, so, or was she on the second season? I th- I think she. I think she. I think she got in later on. Oh, okay. But it was a really great experience, though, and 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 I. I think I even went in. I didn't. Did I screen test? I can't remember. Uh-huh. I can't remember. I've I've blocked out most that things year. from my entire life, especially mm. what has to do with my career. I don't know. I don't like to go back there. But now I am, and you can kind of see it in my head. We were talking. We went on a hike. We went on a socially distanced hike with our friend Billy Domino the other day. Um, and then... You n- did? Very naturally, yes. Oh, I guess I was working. You were working. Very naturally, like, college stuff came up, and we were just like, oh, my goodness, remember that trip and that trip? Very naturally. And then Sudi, and I, I support this move and this instinct, but Sudi immediately was like... I don't want to talk about the past. And I was like, okay. Sudi always, well, Sudi is so comfortable ending a conversation. I really am. I, really, I don't want to talk huge. about this. I love that. It, well, I think it's because I'm a big compartmentalizer. Mm. And I really need to talk about this in therapy because I've been thinking about it a lot. Because like, you know, yesterday, who were we talking about? Were we talking about Palm Springs? Or we're talking about somebody that has to do with SNL. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh-huh. And I just like kind of like shut down and like didn't want to talk about it. And uh-huh. I think that I'm like, such a big compartmentalizer that your worlds can't collide. My, I don't like talking about like work, which gives me the most stress possible. Mm -hmm. And I also think, you know, like working at SNL, you're constantly confronted with the idea that you have of that place growing up, Mm -hmm. the image that people have of that place and the people that work there. Yes. Which is like, you know, mostly reverence and positivity and like people love the work that comes out of there, which is great. But you're constantly like kind of grappling with your own experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that that causes me stress. Yeah, of course. It's also your job. You know what right. I mean? Like, and anyone talking about their job, no matter what it is, is going to be like, that's work. And when I'm not at work, I'd prefer not to like get into it because there's complicated feelings you, about it. You know what else I also think it is? And I think this is how it is about like talking about college too mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. um, being nostalgic for that time, which is I constantly have this anxiety of like, I didn't enjoy that enough. No. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't absorb that enough. Yeah. Or I wish that I had made the most out of that experience or done it again or I didn't do it right. Mm. And I think that's a big thing with the SNL stuff, which is like, and that person was there and that show was so amazing and blah, blah, blah. But all I'm thinking about is like- How stressed I was. How stressed I was. Or I didn't want to go to that after party because mm-hmm. um, I was like really bummed out that day or I was exhausted or like, you know, we were talking about Skidmore and I all I could think about is like the anxieties that I had at that after yep. party or like yes. that I wanted to go home or like yep. I didn't, you know, want I I didn't hook up with that guy that I wanted to hook up mm-hmm. with or whatever. And like, what is that? Why can't why why do I only focus on that? Well, I don't know what 
the answer is into why we focus on it, but I actually do think that there is something to be gleaned from that, which is I need to just let things go more in the moment. Like yeah. in the moment of things, understand later there will come a time when I'll wish I had enjoyed this. So why not enjoy it now? I That's what I try to feel about like whenever I am feeling anxious or uncomfortable or feel like challenged by something, I just try to remind myself in five years, you will be laughing about it or you won't remember it. You know what I mean? Either yeah. one of those two things. You'll either laugh about that thing or you won't remember that thing. Or it'll be like a negative experience. But that's literally <laughs> the opposite of what I'm saying, you stupid bitch. Yeah, what? yeah that's true. That's true because sometimes I think, no, 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 well, Bone, you are a stupid bitch. And, um, and honestly, Matt, I, uh, what you're saying is true because I look back on the darkest days of my career yeah. when I was shitting Water. And oh. I'm thinking about like the Emmys. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh my God. yeah. So that was a, that. You say that was the most challenging thing you've ever done. I think that, right I mean, for the, the Emmys. Week. That was of the your first life. week of my not of I don't your want career. To say of my career. life, but, but that was the most stressful career situation. Yeah. Of my Why? Life. Why? Well, okay. Basically, it was the 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 year that um, Colin, Colin and Shay yeah. hosted the Emmys, and I will never. For, so then that was the year that they had the most diverse. Can, uh, nominees that the Emmys had ever had. Yeah. So um, I kind of came into that. I wasn't like at first hired to write for that Emmys because I was at Shrill. This was the first season of Shrill. Mm -hmm. And then I came back from Shrill and then I was like, oh, everybody that I know is working on the Emmys. Let me be a dumbass and be like, hey, do you guys need me to like come and help? Also like Fran Gillespie, my writing partner, was like writing on it and I was like, I feel like why aren't I going to go hang out with that girl? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it'll be fun. LOL. Literally LOL. E-L-O-H. -E yeah, we know. Yeah. We know okay. exactly how it's spelled. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we're, we're there. <laughs> so because this was like the most diverse nominate, nom group of nominees that they had ever had, we wrote this like ironic, like fun song mm -hmm. for Kate and Keenan called We Solved It. Yeah. Which was like, we solved diversity, which was like, LOL, of course we didn't. Ha ha ha. Yeah. You know, we went and Kaepernicked it. Like we didn't solve it. And also like cut to like all of the nominees, like all of the winners being white. Right. Truly. Yes. I remember yes. that about that year. And I was like sitting in the writer's room and like I like remember turning to Sam J and me being like, what happens if they're all white? And her being like, Sudi, they are gonna be all white. This is like Sam. how it happens. And it was like such a moment of like, oh my God, like she wasn't fooled for one second and my like dumb liberal pantsuit nation ass was like it's happening yeah <laughs> she was like no bitch yeah absolutely not so in like true snl fashion you know lauren was producing the emmys and he wanted like every celebrity under the sun to be in this opening number mm -hmm. and i was like great it's gonna be a pre-tape right and i like remember the day and like fran was like no it should be live and i fran was, suggested that it should be fran live. was like it should be live and i was god like, damn it i was like or it could be a pre-tape because we had like watched these other like opening numbers and like like Colbert had done like a great opening number that was had La La Land been out at that time? Yeah, it could have referenced La La Land the beginning of that. Yes, you know at the I mean? Emmys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, La La Land. What? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, no, bitch. I'm saying, like, it could have referenced like that number in the oh, beginning. Yeah, totally. Yes, as yes, a reference, yes. fag. <laughs> Fucking faggot. Fucking faggot. 
All right, keep going with your stupid story. And 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 Fran was like, it should be live. And everybody was like, yeah, it's SNL. We're used to it being live. This will be like something that we bring to you the table. You were like, no. And so then cut to like the worst week of my life. Okay, so first of all, the stage that they had, they had these like big screens and it was like all of these different, like 10 like separated LED LED screens screens that would open Mm -hmm. in this like cool accordion way and close. And oh my God, the guys who produced... the show were these this British production company called Dunn and Dusted, who were all like Dunn and Cal- Dusted, Dunn honey, and Dusted to the stage, honey, absolutely. <laughs> and they like produce everything. I think they produce like the Oscars, the Tonys, like Dancing with the Stars. Like they're like huge. Yeah, the Oscars, the Tonys, and everything, and Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> everything. everything. Now hosted by Tyra Banks. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> So we're talking to the Dun and Dusted guys about these, about like the choreography and like what's going to happen. And they're like, yeah, they won't, they won't be able to make that entrance. They won't be able to because see the, the screens, they take um about 30 seconds to open and close. And we were like, okay. And then we were like, well, then John Legend comes out on the piano. And they're like, no, he can't come out on the piano because of, because of the screens. And I was like, okay, so you guys have <laughs> Andy made- Samberg was coming down from like a, a, a thing from the ceiling. Well, right? that they could do. They could bring Andy Samberg down like, you know, a yeah, hundred yeah. feet from the ceiling. <laughs> wow. He's also like hanging out up there. And like the tea is that we almost cut him and he was like, no, don't you dare fucking cut me me because I've been up in the rafters at rehearsals (laughs) plummeting to my death like five different times. Wow. (laughs) Like, don't make this all in vain. Yeah, exactly. He was like, basically, are you fucking kidding me? But that was like the chaos. We were like, yeah. And then maybe we cut Andy and like, you know, this, the British director was kept telling us that we had to like cut two minutes and he was like, I'm not being funny girls. I'm not being funny, but like, Anyway, I'm, I'm not being, being funny, funny girls. girls. I'm not being funny. He was like, "You need to cut two minutes," and which Fran- means you have to so like, much. Which means you have to essentially cut a People. major celebrity out of the number. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And like, well, also the funny thing was that like when they were like, "You need to cut two minutes." Fran and I have like you know SNL PTSD and yeah. people come up to us all the time and say that we have to do it and we nod our heads and we say, "Okay." But and it's we're gonna- hell. But it's hell. I mean, it's hell. But we were like, "Okay, yeah." And the director took that as like, these girls aren't listening to me. And because we were so calm and we were like, okay, yeah. And he was like, I'm not being funny. (gasps) And we were like, no. I mean, he wasn't yelling at us. He was being like, he you was know. at work and he yes. was trying to pr- direct. And this for was the also Emmys. like the yeah. day before the Emmys. You know what I mean? Right. And he was like, the stakes are high. He didn't understand like that we had understood it. You yeah. know what I mean? And he was like, I'm not being funny. And we were like, yeah, no, we're going to do it. And they just like didn't clock that like. You were we used were to just... that level of pressure because they felt like these are two young girls. Like they might not understand the gravity Ooh. of what I'm saying. God. It is gender. I mean, the girls is... I'm not being funny, girls. I mean, come on. Come on. But whatever. What are you going to do? So ultimately, what was what was it like rehearsing that number with all those celebrities? We couldn't make entrances and exits mm. on this stage. And we had like a million celebrities that were honestly like so fucking down. Like Kristen Bell was there. Ricky Martin was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was really, I think... Rue. Like, Rue, yeah, Rue was there. Everybody, I think, kind of John Legend. Everybody kind of like absorbed, especially like the morning of the Emmys, kind of absorbed what was happening, and we're like all pros, and we're like, okay, we're gonna make this work. But it was just like one of those things that 
wasn't working until the very end. Yeah. And we like really almost cut it. What? The whole the whole number. The whole number. Which would have felt awful. Which would have felt horrible. And so ev- the reason why it was like kind of the worst week of my life was that every single morning I was waking up and having to go to these rehearsals that everything was changing. And at SNL, you know, we change things all the time and our crew can handle it and our wardrobe department and everybody is just like, yep, this is how things work. But, you know, at a major award show, everything is locked and loaded way, Mm -hmm. way, 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 way Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And we were working kind of SNL style at a place that wasn't, didn't know that that was going to be the deal. Right. The flexibility wasn't built in. And the crews and the departments were not, people that you were familiar with yeah and they all did an incredible job yes, in the end, yes, but yes. it was all like a lot of like well we can't what are you talking about it's two days before the fucking emmys we yeah. can't fucking change that yeah. um so it was a lot of changes a lot of changes a lot of changes and um yeah like the night before we had like done a run through and um it was so it just like didn't work. It just wasn't working. It just like wasn't working as a piece. Like and it wasn't funny or wasn't didn't well, read. Well, it was probably never funny, but the entrances and the <laughs> exits weren't working. The timing wasn't working. Certain people's parts weren't um, um, quite fleshed out or it was felt sweaty. That's yeah, what I would say. Sweaty. It felt sweaty. And it, when you say sweaty, define that. For the, for the lay people. It's overwrought and makes you nervous because it doesn't quite click. And the audience is nervous for you and the performers because they know it's not Which is the number one thing you don't want, is for the audience at home or in the audience watching to feel nervous while they're watching something happen. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, And so the night before, it was like, do we cut it? Do we not cut it? They really didn't want to cut it because they wanted Che and Jost to come out and be able to do their monologue with the audience already warmed up. Right. Yeah. And also, it was hosted by Che and Jost, but something that they were really into was like showcasing Keenan and Kate, Kate who yeah. were both nominated and like th- they were starting off the show. And I think, like, in theory, it was a really great idea to do this musical number at the top. And um, Jost took the script for me, which had like a million rewrites on it, and went through it and cut things down and move things and, you know, cut beats and everything. And I really was sitting there talking to him being like, you can't change that. You can't change that because uh-huh. that person has rehearsed this number. For and days. tomorrow yes. is the Emmys. And he was like, if this piece is going to survive, this is what needs to be happened. This, ne- this is what needs to, to be, be happened. Happen. This is what needs to, to be, happen. Yeah. And I was freaking out and the um our incredible head of snl costumes he sat me down and he could see how nervous i was and he turned to me and he said like you know about all these like celebrities and amazing performers that were about to perform and he said to me they're all pros and they're not gonna fuck it up on tv it's their job yeah to do it tom said this tom said and that. not for nothing but you got talking about pros like anyone who even volunteers to do that number is going to be someone like Kristen Bell you know what I mean who has like a theater background and is a professional and is ultimately a machine or Titus Burgess right 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 and then it was like a and and it was a fucking miracle because we did all these changes then the morning of everybody comes for the rehearsal and they think that they're just going to be doing what they did you know two days before and everything's different almost everything is different almost everything and 
everybody was like, okay, okay, yeah, Press. okay, yeah. got it. And then we ran through it. It went great. It did. It suddenly worked. Like yeah. you're looking at it and you're just like, oh yeah, and then this person comes in and then this point is made and then Andy comes in and it all just like, something's happening, something's happening. The dancers come out. It all worked. And like everybody, you know, all of the producers, everybody was like looking at us like, it worked, mm -hmm. it worked. And in that moment, I realized that like, oh my God, I might like actually have, if this didn't, I had the thought of like, if this hadn't worked, I might like be fired. Wow. Like period. Like this was like such a like big undertaking that really wasn't working. Mm -hmm. My ass was truly, truly saved. Um, the one of each dancers is such a funny joke. The Please one of welcome each the dancers. welcome. One Please of each welcome dancer. the one, one of, of each dancers, dancers. And, and then everyone comes out and it's like all one diversity is represented. Choreographed by Mandy Moore. God bless Mandy Moore, who was the, the other Mandy Moore. The, uh, the other Mandy, Mandy Moore, Moore, who absolutely, absolutely took every single change and was like, "Okay." Um, what's your? I mean, we're we're sort of talking about it now, but like, you look back on it now and you're like, "Okay, a very challenging week of my life and career," but. I've learned something like what's like, I do you have this healthy distance from it now, two years later. I think that my takeaway from it is that that was the most pressure that I ever felt. Mm -hmm. And it was okay mm -hmm. in the end. And I survived. Yes. But like shitting water, panic attacks, Oof. not sleeping, like the whole shebang. Yeah. 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 And I think I got so wasted that night yeah absolutely. i would imagine absolutely ever and it was thank god it was like the first number and they did it and then afterwards i was just like i was shaking and then you're also nominated as a as probably a writer right and you lose oh yeah i already <laughs> knew i was gonna lose <laughs> did you know who was gonna win the awards do you no, know that as like no, a producer no, 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 on it no okay. no i think those are all sealed i don't think anybody knows no, except no, for like no two one knows. people basically not even the presenters because they have they hire like independent Okay, but you know what? Even with these shows, I never, I never know like exactly how real they are. Sure, like with the Neil Patrick Harris of it all. Speaking of magicians, um, <laughs> twenty minutes ago, but um, yeah, like that seemed like I was very confused. But and see, that's the thing with magicians is that I'm like, I don't know what's real, <laughs> and we're talking about it like four years later. Wait, what do you mean the Neil Patrick Harris when of he hosted all? the Oscars and he was like in that briefcase over there on stage left? Like that's where like the best picture envelope is and I'll make it just I don't remember what the fuck it was but I was just like I like what is this for well I always just wonder like because the Emmys Oscars Tony's Grammys etc they are all ultimately television shows yeah which you probably never understand more than when you actually write for it and are producing it and are like yeah. behind the scenes so for me it's like it's not that I question the validity of who wins or like who gets nominated or what happens on the show, but I also know that like it does have to adapt and be exciting for people to like it at home and watch it. So I wonder if there's ever any sort of stuff going on with like who wins to make it more exciting. But then I realized that can't possibly be true because sometimes you do see someone win like, and this is not knocking her, but like Julia Garner from uh -huh, Ozark, uh -huh. wins an Emmy, and everyone's like, who? But if you watch the show, you would know who. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. that was the year that everybody from Godless won. Yeah, 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 which yeah. Which nobody had seen. Yeah, like it's <laughs> not every year is a year where it's like everyone watched um, 
friends and the whole cast of friends one you know what i mean it's it's never like or like there's a narrative like you know it was the most diverse uh nominations that we've ever had and yeah, that yeah. resulted in the most diverse winners ever like it's not always linear like that and that makes me feel like oh it must be them going by the book and like the person who gets the most votes wins but in terms of like you're talking about like the producibility of these award shows it's like it's like with that year at the emmys it's like it was the most diverse nominees ever and then it ironically ended up being the whitest winners well, i mean it's it's ironic but it's also it that's this is what sam was saying which is like the voting body is the voting body yeah, yeah. and it's still hollywood yeah. and like kind of what i realized was that like in that moment even though the whole we solved it thing was like very like ironic and like tongue-in-cheek yeah. and like we weren't being serious about mm-hmm. that at all but what I realized, what I learned in that moment um, was that like probably all of the non-white people in that audience were like, yeah, I was nominated. But I'm not going to win. Yeah. Could be, you know. And or, even if they thought they were going to win, like I remember that being a particularly being a year where it was like there were a lot of deserving people of color yes. that were nominated that did not win. Like, and that's what's frustrating again and again is like, and I say again and again, but the fact of the matter is like, in recent years, there have been a lot of amazing people of color that have won and deservedly so. Like, for example, like I was so happy when Tandy Newton won because I thought that she deserved it for yes. the first year and then she won for the second year. And like, you know, Uzo Aduba has two Emmys and like we saw Viola Davis get up there and win. And like, there's so many. Sure. The only person that I feel like has constantly gotten the shaft year in and year out is Sandra. Sandra. Oh. I'm like, what the fuck is going on that we and can't get this woman I'm gonna an say Emmy? Keenan Thompson. Keenan well, Thompson. Keenan, obviously. Keenan yeah. not winning that year. I mean, crazy and who was it it was henry winkler right yeah Yeah. which is like the voting body it's like old white guys being like we're not dead yet we love this you know television legend but also if you watch barry he deserves to win and that's the thing about like you know claire foy is it's like yes she won because she deserved to win but there were also women in that category who also deserved to win so it's Subjective. But it's the reason why you have Kaminsky method making it past yeah. the first that, round. Yeah, that is Well, the true. Globes is like a whole different thing because oh, it's yeah. like six people, <laughs> you know, they're- From different countries. Yeah, it's literally- Which sucks, it fuck sucks. that. It's literally- Get 80, out of Hollywood. It's literally 85 like older white male yeah. foreign journalists. But Kaminsky, Kaminsky method even makes it to the Emmys. But I, but I do want to say that the, um for every, like last year, for example, for every kind of multiple awards- um, rack up of like let's say a when they see us which was such a moment last year yeah you have and I'm not saying I'm not knocking the wins but you have a flea bag where it's like all these like white people it's like Phoebe and women women white women white women um which is I mean like flea bag like deserved a lot of those awards but it's like it, it's there's never I don't know I I don't ever envision a year maybe at any award show where it's like um I think if we've learned- it's not balanced out by like. A, some like white. I don't, but, but if also, people are voting. It's not going to be good. If, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I think that's no. I disagree. I learn. think I think it does depend. I think it does depend on the voting body, and I think that people that are artistic, if in a diverse voting body, which is where it lives and dies, 
will vote for the best art. Like, I think that, like... If we can get, like, yeah, the diverse voting body. I, Which yeah. I think they do try to do every year. I mean, you see, like, the Academy announces, like, the new members that they're inviting, and it is always, like, majority people of color. As of the past few years, like, it seems like they really want to make this not a thing, like, where every year they're humiliated because, yet again, they can't they can't do this correctly. But I think that if Michaela Coel was not... was a eligible this year I May Destroy You would get tons of nominations and it would do just as well as Fleabag did last year in the comedy in the comedy series and it has nothing to do with really like capital R race period it has to do with the fact that she released the art the comedic art that said a new thing that was performed written from a new perspective and was the best and had people talking when no one was in the beginning the thing is too is that it's like bottom up you know what I mean and it's like it all starts from like the ground which is like if if the independent films and the ways that people get to that Emmy nominated, Oscar nominated level yeah. are not also are are if 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 the gates to those things are yes. closed yes. Yeah. Yeah. for yeah. people you know who aren't yeah. white and male, uh-huh. then the studios have to say we're going to put for your consideration time, effort, and money into these projects as well Ju- mm-hmm. that are that it's not just are really commercially successful all white Downton Abbey ass shit. You know what I mean? Like, and, and Downton Abbey was great, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying like, you know, it has to be equal. And that's where the campaigning gets weird for me. Like, I wish it wasn't even a thing. I wish it wasn't a political thing. It's like, if we're going to have an awards show and it be authentic, then like, let's just do this completely even it out. But I also understand the need to campaign and like why people do it. But in terms of voting bodies, like, I think this is not, a total analog, but with Grammys, with the Grammys, it's like, oh, Beyonce lost to Beck and Adele. Um, Kendrick Lamar lost to Taylor Swift. It's like, there's these, there, I don't know, it's like these voting bodies are going to be these hegemonic things that live on despite all these social yeah. changes. Well, they're still institutions. Yes. And I think it's important to do the work to dismantle these institutions, but I also feel like we need to place less value in these structures of power and that to me feels like, honey, the one, the solution. I will fix everything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and yet you also like care and like want yes. to win if you get nominated. But will you yeah, be mad if you don't get? If I don't get nominated? Yeah. No, I, I won't care. For what? He's going to say that he doesn't care, but he's going to have about three days where he like I is. to recover. Yeah. Rebound from it. You definitely will because you guys get nominated every year. Yeah, we lose every year. We, yeah. <laughs> but it's also, it, maybe it's comforting to know that, like, we'll, we know, almost know what the result is. Like, you'll get nominated and probably lose because they can't get over John Oliver. Honey, I am happy to dress up and eat yeah. a Wolfgang Puck <laughs> little pudding at the after What party. are they going to do this year? We don't know. I don't know. Jimmy, probably not have it. But they, no, they're going to have it. And Jimmy Kimmel is, like, the host, and they're going to try to not do it over Zoom. Like, they're going to do something with it. So That's what know. Robin was saying. Robin was saying that she thought they were going to do something. Um, we'll see. Okay, we have to. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. 
Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa credit card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or a home. You know what I love about the Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card? What? There are no annual fees, interest, or credit checks to apply. Yes! You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Take back your finances. Build credit using your own money. Yeah. Did you know that with Chime Credit Builder that you can get paid up to two days early with direct deposit? I did. You can also overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualifying direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com forward slash culturistas. That's chime.com forward slash culturistas. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out of network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Okay, we're back. We have to have to talk about Summer of Cunt. This is KU3NT. This yeah, year. that's what this is. Um, many will say it's a lost summer, and perhaps it is. Uh, but we, Sudi and I still have, oh, Sudi and I have been talking, we still have mission-driven things to work towards the summer. I think we were talking on the way over here. Do we have, you? We have movies we want to watch, and we have things we want to develop around. Bitch, the only thing we've been watching is the Disney magic. Oh, Disney fairy tale weddings. 
Disney Fairy Tale. It's gonna be the most amazing night. I have basically been enjoying Disney weddings with these two over while they've been here. Well, you have to say Disney Fairy Tale weddings because it is a fairy tale. <laughs> it's a fairy Disney tale. Fairy Tale weddings on Hulu Plus. It made the list. Yes, and it's what we really have been enjoying together. And now it really is what I'll put on when I'm when I'm in my like. Excuse me. In your trailer? When I when I, no, not in my trailer. And when I'm here at home, that's where I, I put it it's on. It's every narrative I love, which is theme park, wedding, and then there's a special series that is holidays. So then you get the Christmas element. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And really I'm do. regressing. I mean, it it's so you ultimately are rooting for them every step of the way. Are you? No, not at Some all. Some of them you are. Absolutely not. They always have a hot, non-white couple that was clearly (laughs) cast that are like smoke shows. And then the other couple, and this is ubiquitous across the board. Dud, lipless whites (laughs) with no lips, always something going on with the teeth. And also like you, and this is, you know, I don't mean to be disparaging of this. But it's part of like the nastiness of Disney, which is that <laughs> middle class people put all of their money yes. into this. Do you brand. think if they're on the show, they're paying for it? I don't think so. I think that they pay. I think for they some probably applied it. and they probably got it. And Disney was like, "We'll pay for your whole thing because you're on the show." I think it's all free, though. I really don't. None of these couples seem to me like couples that could afford this. But they, but that is the 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 demographic of the people that are that are doing Disney weddings. You think that the demographic of people that go out and get married at Disney are people who would save up and pay well beyond their means to get married in Disney? Yes, and then because go that's back what to, they do for the vacations. Yeah, that's what they're. I mean, they're saving up for. It's the American dream. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Disney weddings is the American dream. To get married at 2 a.m. in front of Cinderella's castle is the American dream. With special guest star Olivia Newton-John. And frizzy barrel curls because your hair and makeup was done at 9 p.m. It's it's the new distortion. It's the new prism through which the American dream is refracted. What's been your favorite episode of Disney Fairy Tale Wedding? I liked the first one, I believe, where it was the interracial couple, the Asian man, and the That was white great. Wife. And they you found out it was revealed that it was his dream to get married in Disney. So sweet. And she was so supportive the entire time and like got very emotional about like how much she loves him. And it's yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful story they loved hockey i also love it when like a couple's <laughs> entire love and like foundation of their lives is based on like hockey or like yes. you know that's like a big thing or disney in and of itself but that made them more likable to me which is that they're it wasn't their singular and disney was not their only interest. no they also liked hockey and then they brought the stanley cup to the reception Huge. yeah and they that, were freaking out i would have freaked it's like if they if, <laughs> i would have freaked if they had if they had an os if they had like betty davis's oscar on your wedding cake i would, would not if let me say this right now and be very okay, clear julia roberts is oscar no shut up if i let me be very clear if i ran out to the reception at my wedding yeah and everyone that i knew and love was standing around julia roberts's oscar waiting for my reaction i would be mortified what do you mean you would like i my jaw wouldn't drop and i'd be like oh my god this is my dream you would at least laugh I would laugh and, and my ass off because I, but, but ultimately I would laugh my ass off because I am such a joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you all thought, you know what Matt would really love on the biggest day of his life to run out and see Julia Roberts' Oscar rented out sitting in the middle it's, of the yeah, dance floor. It's rented out. I would be literally... Okay, what prop do each of you guys want? The DeLorean from Back to the Future. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, I want... Um, Come back to me. Come back to me. I want to get married at Barbara Streisand's house in Malibu. Yeah, you want to yes. get married in the a, mall. That's not a prop. You should get married in the mall downstairs. Yeah, which, which is real. I've heard. 100. I've had it confirmed. It's, no, I mean it's known real. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fact. Known, the mall. Yeah, yeah. That she yeah. is a mall. What What do you do when you own a mall? Like, so basically, if you have a mall underneath your home, it would have to be staff. Well, it's not a mall per se. It's a. It's actually very Disney because it's very turn of the century, kind of like um, early 1900s. It's a Victorian kind of walkabout. Yes. And there's a place for her dolls and there's a place for her costumes that she's kept, a lot of period costumes. There's an old-fashioned candy store. It's kind of like um, a theme park more than it is like the Americana. Well, okay, so sh- but th- is it staffed? I'm, I'm saying it has to be. It's been staffed and it's been maintained. There's an entire plate about like the guy who um, I forget what it's called, but Michael Yuri was in it. Oh, it's a one you mean buyer show. and seller? Buyer and seller. And he, is it that? That's the play that is based on oh. that. Cool. Are you saying things that are wrong? I'm always saying things that are wrong. <laughs> but what I guess my question is like. Does she call in advance, like two hours? That's what before? I'm thinking it is, and then and it's not like they're just s- sitting there the whole day. No, they can't possibly be. No, like remember in um, I believe it was Richie, Richie Rich. Rich. Yeah, I knew where like Richie. he the went down and there was a McDonald's and there was like a huge roller coaster and it was like he owned it all and I was like, so this is like a bustling McDonald's and we're to believe that they're all working at a Constantly McDonald's in, in his home. By the way, I want McDonald's so bad right now. Oh my god, how bad do you want McDonald's now that I said it? Zero point really. zero zero. Usually I, I want, want McDonald's. McDonald's so bad. I'm fucking die What's for it. What's going on? I want it so bad. I haven't eaten it. Every time I eat a McNugget, I'm like, this is just chicken paste. Yeah, but that's because you're eating the McNuggets, bitch. I've you always need to been eat a McNugget. Cheeseburgers. Bitch. You need to eat the cheeseburgers. They're the most amazing no. burgers. Chicken in the fingers world. all the way. They're the most amazing time. burgers. If you're in the a world. chicken finger bitch, pop off in the comments. I'm a chicken finger absolute bitch, but that doesn't mean that I can't enjoy the most amazing burger. Ugh. From McDonald's. Although I love chicken I fingers, two. but I ju- I judge people, other people that love chicken fingers. Ugh. Yeah, Sudi uses chicken fingers as synecdoche for like trashiness. Yeah, or, of course she or, does. Or classism. Well, or, I don't like picky eaters. <laughs> no, but she'll go like she'll go like I can't marry. We were talking about Indian matchmaking, I think, and then somehow it led into like the types of partners we want. And she was like, you know, I can't date. I can't marry like. No chicken finger eating dude. Shut well, up. it was it was that I was like going. I like met uh like went on a socially distant date with a guy who was like I love Budweiser. Oh, and I that's was like, was. okay, is this classist of me to be like so unattracted to this person for liking Budweiser? But it's like no. I can't be with no chicken finger picky eater ass bitch. Like expand Just because your someone horizons. Likes chicken fingers does not mean they're picky eaters. I'll eat everything. And chicken I love fingers, chicken fingers with no sauce though. So what? With a Stop piss being beer, this way. With a piss beer like Budweiser. It's not a piss beer. It's yeah, salt Anhe- of the earth. I don't bad. think so, honey. Anheuser Busch Queen. Look, y'all. If are... you live in Fort Greene, you can't be drinking Budweiser, sir. That's, have, have what s- kind of beer are they to drink? 
Um, What's acceptable? Anything. Fat Literally tire, anything. Blue moon. Fat tire. Goose Island. Yes, all day IPA <laughs> founders, honey. Well, no, what I'm saying is that <laughs> if you like Budweiser, that's fine. But if you have tasted other beers beside Budweiser and have said, no, I actually prefer the watery piss, then there's a taste level there that you are lacking. Some people like what they are used to. What they grew some up Some people with. like to drink a lot. <laughs> and so they have, you know, things like Bud Light, things like Coors but Light. I want somebody as my partner. I get it. Who is going to audacious. Ex- expand their horizons. Audacious. <laughs> you want an audacious drinker. Yes. I want somebody who's an audacious drinker and at least, at least orders a fucking Peroni. God the, damn. There, there was a time where I think Back in college, like when I was first. Oh, see, we're talking about college. Sorry. Sorry, bitch. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) There was a time when I had like discovered craft beer and I thought it was like, it's the coolest thing ever. Like, fine. Like being like a, you know, like 21 year old. 21 year old. When we went to college, that was like the peak of. But that's when like craft beer was like yes. absolutely popping, popping off. off. Remember, so we were, I worked at Beer Craft yes, in I Park Slope. T- I do. You, fuck, you are trash through and through. Why? Because I worked in a Park Slope beer craft store, <laughs> craft beer store. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, there was a time when I went to college and like was able to drink, and I started to really like craft beer because I didn't know that it could be that. Yeah, I had only ever it's grown tasty. up around my dad drinking Coors Light all the time, and then you're like, it can taste like pumpkin. Wow, and I was like, oh, <laughs> pumpkin beers, you know, is my shit. We yeah, love I love beers. pumpkin beers. We so- used to go in to over the eight where they would get do pumpkin oh my beers God. with yes. a cinnamon sugar rim. Yeah, which always. is like, why am I popping off on people who like Budweiser when I'm like a cinnamon sugar rim? Shut bitch. up, it's fine. The judgment level has to get way down. So basically, I went I went back home for like a family thing, and I remember like my aunt's friend that was there. I was talking about beer with her, and she like exclusively only drank Coors Light. Uh oh. And I said to her like, I love craft beer. Like I love this, and like I love. Have you ever tried like um like this type of beer this type of beer and she looked at me like it was like a political thing you are gay and she was like and she was like i don't know i just like to drink this because i can drink a lot of it and like walked away and i was just like okay that's so like is. culturally it is a different thing like that's fine just for them but that what... person is not my partner that's fine for <laughs> that's them but fine. that person is not my partner there's a whole gia talentino essay in this where she talks about sweet green being like the perfect food for millennials or for this like dissociative time in the world where it's like for for that for your aunt she can drink a lot of it and that's why she likes Coors Light that's the reason why are you cold is that why you're doing that a with a little your shirt? bit a little bit Don't bring when I up. when I worked at beer craft um it was like this craft beer store in Park Slope and you could taste the beers before you got yeah like yeah. um a like a pack. Costco yeah exactly you <laughs> taste the beers before you got it and like it was all full of these like um functioning alcoholic dads in Park Slope who would like you know it was it was fine that they were drinking a lot of this beer because it was craft beer it was like very clear like that that was the deal mm-hmm. um like getting drunk on a sunday with the baby god bless i mean we all should be able to do that yeah, i mean you, we are getting drunk on a sunday come on picnic tables you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but um, they would be like, oh, what's that one? And I would just lie. I would just make shit up. And I'd be like, that one's hoppy. 
And then uh, they would be like drinking. They're like hoppy, and I'm like, well, it's uh, it's a cask barrel. And they would be like, <laughs> cask okay, barrel. Okay. Wait, oh my god. Wait. Uh, no. 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 We have to talk about the the performance of Sudi when she was working at Beercraft. I went in there once, and she was truly wearing like at least two layers of flannels and a baseball yeah. cap. Oh, she was someone else back then. <laughs> it's so funny to see her like think she has like a refined taste. Oh! I saw her when she was like covered in flannel on flannel on flannel, like mopping up. And I used to wear beer. your shirts. I used to wear your flannel shirts. <laughs> yeah, you so were you giving fit in hot with the culture. energy though. Thank you for saying Hot that. Um, the reason why I was wearing, this was like uh, <laughs> right after I got like fired from being a, not fired, P- Kamal Bell, I was a PA there at his show and it was canceled. And so um, I was so, so poor and I got a job at Beercraft and I would drink. The only way that we could function, because you had to like mop down all the beer at the end of the night. Oh. And the only way that we could function is if we were like pretty drunk at that point to like hot mop, like sticky beer off of every surface in this place. And so also you were encouraged, like the 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 barrel the the barrels like changed every day. Casks, I forget what the word Cask is. Kegs, kegs. Kegs. The kegs changed Cask every day. Kegs is a whole different thing. Yes, so you would yeah. have to show up and like drink the new beers so you could tell people about them. Yep. And everybody was just like functionally buzzed the entire time. I and I gained that. about 30 pounds. Uh-huh. So I, mean, I was only wearing like jeans and a flannel for a good like seven or eight months. We were like beer friends because at that time. I was I was waiting tables at Ulysses in the financial district, which was like an Irish pub slash like really big beer bar. And there was like 25 different beers on tap at any different time. And it was just like, or not that much, but there was a ton. And I remember my favorite day would be like, I think it was Tuesdays or Thursdays. The like reps from the company would come in and that we would try everything we were getting. And it was just like, I also used to drink at that job so much. If you were in the service industry, you were drunk. You're drinking or you're high. I yeah. mean, that's like come there on. There was a there was a time. There was like I think a six to eight month period where I was so high at work every day. You guys would talk about. I would I would come and smoke with you guys in that period, and you guys would talk about going to work stone so high. And this was right after we went to. Um, uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina to go perform comedy with our sketch group. And then Sudi drove us back in her van and we were talking about, and Tessa Scaris smoked us out and it was the craziest tweet I've ever smoked. And Sudi was driving and she was talking about the, the like the band Yes and I stuff. Was and I was like, stoned though when you we were stoned. driving. You, you, no, you were you sober and say. driving, we must say. But I was, I w- went on a Greyhound. You guys hotboxed that van though. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you did get so weird because you know what? I was so stoned and I kept saying I'm experiencing reality in three different layers. You did keep saying that. And then you you kept saying nobody should get that that high and then go on a Greyhound from Wilmington, Delaware. I'm experiencing three different realities is what Bone Yang said. So I we get back in on this Greyhound. After smoking marijuana. We get back on this. We get back in on this Greyhound. The driver was insane. By the time we pull into the Port Authority, one of the passengers had called him out and said your driving sucked and then he slammed the brakes oh yeah and was like who said that and it was i was too stoned for it i go to sleep i wake up the next day still stoned go into work and was freaked and then 
literally weeks later you guys were like yeah i go and i go into work stoned all the time i was like how the first how couple times was not great but then you do get used to it especially because you're waiting tables it's you're not using your brain it's rote yeah. which sudi told me a million times i'll never forget the microaggression that was i I, I i used to wait tables for a decade and then sudi was like i don't know i just feel like i'm not using my brain and not putting my roots down in a career and i was just like <laughs> It's like I'm not here. I'm Persian. I can't help it, okay? I'm always thinking in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay? It was so aggressive towards me. <laughs> Let's quickly, quickly try to like uh, set an intention for our summers of cunt this year. It's it's not a lost it's summer. Tradition. It's tradition. For I'll start. I want – I was talking to Sudi about this. I want um, – I don't want this to be a, a summer of productivity. I want this to be a summer of – coming into my own and and knowing what I want out of relationships. I was talking to Sudi. I was like, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm still like dealing with the same dating bullshit, which I know like does not change with your circumstances necessarily, but I'm like, I have to change the circumstances of my mindset and the dating sort of lay of the land and all that. Well, because you were like, well, I was saying to you that you need to break your pattern. Yes. And I'm also talking to myself in that same way, yes. which is I need to break my pattern. I need to break my pattern. And what are the patterns? My pattern is uh, kind of second guessing as soon as it starts to, the germ starts to grow even a little bit of, of, of intimacy. Or, or you anything. jump to this person doesn't like me. Yeah, I do. And also jump to it's like just a sex thing. Right. Those are, that's, that's the, that's the binary. It's either one or the other. There's no room for it. This could be, this could be something. But I also said that Bowen, is it okay for me to talk about Please. That? Uh, that Bowen is not really going for people that are on his wavelength and that he could form those feelings for. And I feel like it's, it's, it's whoever happens to be, you know, your current romantic, you know, dalliance, you know, f- either it's a fun hookup or like whatever. Part of the fulfill- self-fulfilling prophecy is that, well, this person is not on my same wavelength. They don't fulfill me like intellectually. I can't really see myself like, you know, falling in love with this person and, and like finding a partner in them. Mm-hmm. And so then, of course, it falls into that binary. Yes, yes. And yes. I and I think you know, with myself, I like fall into this pattern of like, I say that I want this partner. I say that I want this like developed whole person and I date comedians, (laughs) you know? I date the same guy that I've been dating since I was 19 years old and it's the same issues every time. You do do tend to date a very similar person every time. It's it's different variations on that same person. So there's there's the Texas man, the chicks. Hello. Gas I was going to say we must discuss the we chicks. We must discuss the chicks. Um, there's different variations on a theme. Perhaps. Yeah, for sure. And it's what's comfortable. When yes. I meet a funny man who like I can do bits with and I think is cute, it just – it just happens and, yeah. and, and it's easy. And, and you know, I, I love that guy, yeah. but I can't keep complaining about not being with like um, a fully developed person, which is my main thing, and then keep dating comedians, <laughs> male comedians. Like Ooh. it's it's. Well, you know what though? Like I think that girl. I think that what we're experiencing at this age, uh, which is like you know becoming thirty, 
I think that what we're thirty cusp, thirty cusp for me, thir- full blown thirty. K U three N T colon thirty cusp. That's the title. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I didn't sign off on that. I'm, I'm not, not seeing, seeing enough color. discussion. Um, um, I think that what we're realizing is that at this age, those people that you tend to go for, they can't fake being okay and cool anymore. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. at 30, it's like people are starting to really feel like, why haven't I figured it out? Or if I have figured it out, did I figure it out in the right way? And everyone is very much facing their own stuff right now at this age and going forward you know it's not once you move through your 20s it's like you can't blame it on your 20s anymore you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like so i think that's why it's frustrating to deal with a type of person that is um uh not has not figured it out yeah i think this is a time when they are confronting that hard yeah and i also find over and over again that like i have figured a lot more out than maybe other people my age have and that's like Uh, It doesn't matter, too, if I'm, like, with somebody who maybe isn't, like, as financially stable as I am or isn't as, like, far along in their career as I am. Like, I acknowledge that, like, I got to those places very early in my life. And I am very much willing to be with somebody who is not at that place in their life, you know, yet or ever, whatever. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I'm... That's not a big deal for me. It's a big deal for them. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally a thing. You're a fixed point and they are trying to find themselves relative, their circumstances relative to yours. It's hard to date men when you're a woman who is successful. Dixie chicks. Mm -hmm. Dixie chicks. Tights on my boat. Do their taxes. Tights on my boat. Honey. Um, You don't want to be doing any men's taxes. Matt, what's your summer of cunt goal? Okay, so I would say that it's almost weird to even have a summer of cunt goal because I feel that everyone's summer of cunt ambition should just be to survive. Yeah. But I would say um, uh, my summer of cunt goal is staying positive, and my summer of cunt goal is to be more honest with myself and um, uh, to stop letting myself off the hook so many times. Oh. Like sometimes I will like let myself slip in terms of um like I think I could probably like be indulging a little bit less like I'm like sort of eating my diet's not great again in quarantine and like I do smoke a ton of weed and like sit around and watch a lot of television which is like and I feel like a lot something a lot of people doing is like it's quarantine it's okay and like you have to be productive reaching across the table and grabbing your hand and being like it's okay all you have to do is survive right now all you have to do is make it to the next day this is unprecedented what we're going through you know like no one has a rule book on how to do this right it's quarantine it's so different (laughs) and i'm just like you gotta stop saying that at a certain point because this could be for a while like you know i I think we're all just saying like well the vaccine's coming who the fuck is the doctor here who knows that the vaccine is girl how you gonna get it and girl, how are you gonna get it? And you're gonna take the first vaccine? Girl. Okay, honey. Girl, AstraZeneca has a two billion dose commitment to the Oxford vaccine. It's gonna come but, eventually. But just because you say that does not make it true. No, I'm the authority on No, this. you actually are and deeply you not. Listen to me. All I'm saying is that like we can't use this complacent time to be complacent, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like, yes. A huge focus of our lives should be just like trying to find like 
are little moments of positivity that keep us going day to day. But also, like, I want to make sure that I'm still taking care of myself. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want to use, like... It also like, doesn't need to be your default, which is, like, full hedonistic debauchery. Totally. Right. You know what I mean? We don't always have to go there. No. You know what I mean? And I feel like people who ordinarily would deal with stress by, like, going out and dancing or going out and having sex or going out and, like, you know, drinking or, like, going out and doing this, like, you're facing all those things and you're supposed to be in your house. And so, for me, like... Like, um, I'm the kind of person that doesn't have great impulse control when it comes to, like, eating stuff or, um, you know, like, indulging in whatever. And so, for me, I just want to exercise a little bit more self-control. And just because someone else is, like, um, doing one thing doesn't mean I have to do it. And I just want to stay more positive. And I think the way I can do that is to sort of be a little bit real with myself about the fact that, like, you know, just because I'm in this apartment all the time doesn't mean that, like, um, my life has to feel sloppy Mm -hmm. or i just i I don't have to feel sluggish or you know like i i I do i did start like working out um you know ariel i got on the zoom with him and like he like we i work out with him and the first day we did that because i hadn't worked out in so long i felt awful i had to stop like three quarters of the way through and like almost threw up just because it had been so long yeah and also there's so much weirdness zero to 100 no and i really wasn't but i just kind of was like a wake-up call of like really the way i've treated myself over the past four months Mm -hmm. and um for me it's like i had made so many positive changes in that area that i don't want to fall back to like a me in my mid to late 20s where it was sort of like i can do whatever the fuck i want like my metabolism is good like that's not really the case anymore like i'm 30 years old 30 cusp like again i am 30 years old not 30 cusp like he keeps kind of like taking the narrative you're on the cusp of your 30s well we just don't want your 30 year old ass to erase that we're 29 29. you can do and feel however however the age that you want but me i'm not gonna again this is sort this is the accountability of self like i am 30 years old i'm saying that the three of us are bound to a common identity of 30 cusps okay well you keep dragging me back and also you know how i feel about the 30 year old narrative Uh, and i'm not saying that means old i'm just saying it means that like I can't get away with the stuff that I used to get away with. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I'm trying to be accountable. Um, you know what I mean? I just I just don't want to feel like shitty. And then the what I feel shitty when yeah. I eat Taco Bell at one in the morning. Yeah, yeah because yeah. it's not good for you, honey. Right. And I know that. And I, but but like that's where my impulse impulse control falters. Yeah. And like I don't feel good when I'm up till three in the morning and then wake up at noon. That's why, like, I'm so excited to be working again. And, like, I'm really excited to be, like, doing things again. And, like, it's great to remember that that will return because I like to go to bed at 10.30 or 11 p.m. and then wake up at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Like, I like that. Like, I've really discovered that about myself in moving to Los Angeles. Like, I like a routine. Mm -hmm. I love to work. I loved having a social life. And to be honest with you, like, before this was all happening, I had never been happier. I had been... Mm -hmm. Never been so professionally successful. You know, like things were going great in my personal life. You also love being busy. I love being busy. Yeah. And I had a whole, I I would wake up in the morning and be so excited about the day. And there was so much going on and like so much stuff that's still going on in the future, you know, whether it's delayed or finding a way to happen. And I just, you know, and, and it's so funny because while all this good stuff was happening, like you got me that little Tower of Terror bell. Yes. And I ding it. It's like a little, like, what would you call it? Like a bellhop bell. Uh-huh. 
and I started dinging it every morning for luck. And I was like, I gotta Aww. ding it for luck. And then one day, I dinged the bell, and I was walking out the door, and I was like, well, I mean, all this good stuff is happening now, but it's gonna end. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way I can continue to be this happy. And then I had my 30th birthday, and then three or four days later, it was like quarantine went, or the coronavirus went from something that was like not our problem to like very much our problem. Mm-hmm. And they were saying in a couple of weeks it'll be fine. And then when it was clear that was not the case, like I I did, like there was like a period there where like every six, seven days I would have like a very, mm-hmm. very dark day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't believe I worked so long and so hard to be able to finally be self-sufficient and happy and have a nice apartment and like you know do all these things and i finally after a decade of like really struggling yeah was here and now like because you were yeah i mean like and you know lots of things it's a huge setback for everyone and like you know so many people it's just stopped momentum for everyone and i I, and i i am totally aware of the fact that like you know for so many people it stopped so much more than just momentum or or joy so uh, but in the way that i'm dealing with it i just don't want that to um continue to dominate my life i the dark thoughts yeah 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 yeah, yeah. just or just like the like i i can't stand it when people are like acting like this is gonna be forever like it's just even if it's a joke yeah i i hate it and i think less of people who talk to me like that okay and people who are negative towards me around the coronavirus like it's something that i can't get over like i i if you talk to me and like spew like sort of terror speak about the coronavirus and quarantine like i'm done i'm out like like you're threatening my happiness and i can't talk to you so but is it as long as it doesn't hold you back from confronting realities about no i can confront reality like i i i'm very very aware people want to live there and you know some people can't help it and that's just like how they process shit like this and like you know they need to keep up on the news well those people can get but but those people can get the fuck away from me is what i'm saying (laughs) like i don't want to talk to you i don't want you in my Uh life if you are going to be some sort of like someone who's obsessed with fatality I'm out. I like. I don't you, like you, it. You, you I don't like, like negative you, energy. You just don't want to talk to like a black pillar who's like, okay, this like, every we're fucked forever. Yeah, I don't want anyone to. That's I don't need anyone in my life that's like thinking we're gonna be living in COVID soup for the rest of our life. Even if that's true, I just don't care to engage in it because of what I know it does to me. And so yeah, like, fair. keep it away from me. Because sure. that's just the way I feel. And so what I feel like I'm focused on for Summer of Cunt is just making the world a beautiful place that I can still positively live in bubble. for myself. Sure. Which is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to have goals in terms of like, you know, interpersonal relationships or my own body or this or that. Okay, the other thing without me. without relating to the coronavirus, which is what we're all going through. Because for me, it's like, that is the dominating thing. That is the equalizer of everyone right now. And for me, it's just like trying to find a way to live with this, understanding that it might be however long. Yes. You you, you don't want to plot your, inner, your, your personal growth without considering the monoculture that is COVID. Well, how could you, how could you, how could you live like that? Like, how could you actually live thinking, well, this is what life is now until the day I die? Like, I don't get it. I mean, some people in the same way that you function that, 
you would rather stay in a bubble of positivity because you're very sensitive to those kinds of thoughts. Some people get comfort in the reality and knowing what's going on. Some people need to know the facts, live in the facts, and think worst-case scenario so that they can they can prepare for that. And that is how some people function and cope. I mean, I think the bottom line is that people, we all know how horrible the situation is. People are dying and the government is failing us. And, you know, how you live with that every day, as long as you know that and you're, like... Responsible. Responsible for that responsible reacting to that, then I don't know what I'm fucking saying. I'm well, just like no, I fucking, know. I, I, you know you're, what try, I mean? you're trying to present like a, a logical reason for why someone would be obsessed with the situation that we're well, now in because, because they is. want, because they want to understand what's happening and, yeah. and, and they want to feel like my whole family. It's like, it. it's like another case here, another case there. Like, I mean, that's the text thread is like anything you bring up. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, and we're never going to get this and those people are dying. And like, of course they won't wear a mask and everything. I mean, uh, my entire like extended family lives in that every day, but they're also, you know, that's just how they function. They, they are news, uh, sponges sponges, and they need to monitor the situation. And That's let me make them. clear that I am not someone who doesn't watch the news. I very much know what's going on. And I cannot watch the news. Is the news. I, I, is, is, the the news. news. I, is the news. I keep up every day with what's going on and I am doing everything in my power like to stop the spread in my own life. And I, But what I'm saying is you when know. people are comfortable with negativity and fatality, which is different than reality... Reality is we are in a horrible pandemic and every single day there's more cases in in the United States because our government is failing. That's reality. I'm comfortable with knowing reality. What I'm uncomfortable with is people submitting to the idea that this is forever. Sure. And like that's what's going to be top of mind forever. I just don't understand how could you... You what need, are you looking forward you to? You need then? to see a light at the end of the tunnel. I Very mean, much so. Yeah. And Very I don't think so. that it's. I don't think that that's accurate to say that this no. is the new normal and everything. I mean, huge cataclysmic events happen, you know, in the world, and then you adjust to a new reality, and some things are different, and some things are the same, and that that right. will probably be what happens here. I just get frustrated when when there's sort of a resignation to death. Like, I, I just like that, because I need to, I, I, I like I like living, <laughs> if that sounds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basic, but whatever. Yeah. Um, Sudi, let's, let's go to you. Sudi, what's your summer of cunt? Um, well, you know, uh, I was thinking about this today in the shower. And I was thinking that, like, a big reason why Bowen and I were like, let's go to LA was that we were, you know, as safe as you can be. As safe as you can be. You know, Um, everything is. Well, you know, everything's a risk. So you you be as safe as you can and still things could happen. You got to mitigate the risk and be like, (laughs) oh, well, this is worth it. You know what? We decided it was. Um, But. Uh, uh, you know, it's because like Bone and I were like in our apartments in New York and we're both single. And like a big thing for me was that like I kept having these dark, repetitive thoughts, mm-hmm. like just living in like a dark thought cycle. And I would like work and I had like the shrill Zoom room and like a running joke that I would say like 
if I like talked a little bit too much or told a boring story like in the shrill Zoom room, I would like say afterwards, I was like, you guys are the only and first people I talk to all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so if I seem crazy right now, like that's why. And one of my like recurring dark thoughts was, and it sounds like so nasty, like in the world of covid to like think of this but also like this is what summer of cunt is about and it's like often about our romantic lives i think also because like career-wise or like life-wise we feel good and so like we tend to focus on our romantic mm-hmm. lives but i was like this was this summer or whatever i was like i was gonna get find a fucking boyfriend and i was gonna you know like snl was gonna be over and i was gonna get fucking snatched and then this was gonna be my like slutty summer which you know this is a pattern for me is like i have slutty summers which is like a god bless and i was like this is gonna be it and i'm gonna like fuck and i'm gonna find a husband but also like fuck and um like i just kind of was in this thought spiral of i'm alone in my apartment i don't have a partner I'm going through this alone and I'm going to be alone because there's this window that I have before I have to go back to work and work like a thousand hours a week and um, be so burnt out that I like can't even like see, let alone like touch a dick. And, um, you know, they really don't talk about it. They need a chapter in the SNL book about like how to fix your sex life. I mean, come on, how to touch a dick. First of all, Um, please let me know. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, it's funny because, Like, just the other day, I was in our Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's COVID. And I'm talking to this guy. Yes. And we sort of had, um... Go on. There was a a phone sex situation. I love it. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I love it. I love it. I love it. And... After work, okay, so I'll just say it went there. It absolutely went there. Mm-hmm. Did it finish there? Oh, yeah. And the next morning, oh. you know, he texts me, and I was very much like, I'm defining this experience for him in terms of like, me (laughs) and i was like look it's quarantine i had never done something like that before it was fun it was a moment in time i got my damn nut which i didn't say but like i was like you know i hope Mm -hmm. it was mutually pleasurable blah 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 and like that's great and i was like i'm fucking empowered with my pleasure it's quarantine and i'm like you know doing this and then you know he's in new york and like with the time difference or whatever the next day he like texts me at like 2 p.m and like i'm busy and horned up and he's like i'm thinking about blah 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 like come say hi and i'm like this 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 can't i this can't be i just it just um it was clear to me that like the experience for me was different than the experience for him Uh and like that's okay but i just kind of realized because in the end it wasn't that satisfying of i have no regrets but it really wasn't that um satisfying of an experience and i think that i was like what if i just stop seeking this what if i just stop and i should have come to this so much earlier in quarantine but i was like why am i obsessed over finding like some dude to like fuck and look at when i wake up in the morning who the fuck cares he's probably gonna suck anyway so like why don't i just be absolutely 100 percent 
okay and happy and ecstatic that I'm single, mm -hmm. be happy with myself, like celebrate myself. And then when a great other soul comes to me and I see that soul and I say, I want to share my like joy with you and I want to share your joys and your sorrows. When I meet that special thing, then I will be like, let's do this. But if I don't see that thing, if I don't see that special soul, then I need to be like celebrating my ass and not worry about, uh, nothing's missing in my life. That's what I need to get rid of. I, nothing's missing in my life. Yeah. Yes, but it is understandable to me to want to seek out some quick little dopamine hit reward Getting your nut thing. is different. Getting your nut is different, but then getting your nut is different but than you, intimacy. Yeah, but you Flat build out. you build your channels for people who can help you get your nut, and so you and so you communed or you whatever you connected with this guy, and then you got your nut, and then the next day he was like, "Hey, it's two p.m. on the Pacific uh, coast. Why don't we?" Blah blah blah, and you're like, wait, no, like it's it's just it's first of all, you're thing. allowed to say no, of yes. course, and yes. also to be honest with you, like. I kind of think it's nice to have those relationships where it's like, oh, that's the guy I get my nut with online. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's fun. What, Bowen? No, nothing. You feel? It's absolutely fun. It's fun. And it's, it's also it's like, it's also, it's its own little relationship. And it's like, don't think of that as a thing that's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Unless it's making you feel bad. It's great that he exists there and he wants to get his nut with you. I guess I just felt that I wish, and I'm not going into into details, but I wish that the attitude on his part had been, let's get our nut together and let this be like a happy, fun, Yeah, this is the space where we get our nuts. But it was not that way for him. I see, I see. And that was what was revealed to me. Which is why I'm kind of like, I gotta be good with myself. Yes. And also like, yes, and also like. I don't regret the experience. No. Don't put any, don't put any extra stress on yourself. That, that's part of kind of what I'm saying is it's like, you know, let things be easy in that department mm -hmm. because it's so hard of everywhere else. And also like, I think like ultimately, if you have the attitude that it feels like some of these guys might have, it might lead you down a road of like, fuck I'm single like was it, this wasn't what I needed right. it to be this wasn't what it really is and I there just, and I might never have that etc just like don't I live in that place I just wish that I just wish that men understood where I come from with a lot of hookups which is like yeah. I think that there's this binary of like we're either just fucking or we're dating and there can be an in-between where you are, this is my ideal, mm -hmm. which is tender, pleasure giving, caring, you know, the most natural thing in the world is to have sex, you know, to explore, to be uh, vulnerable in front of each other and have it be this um, good experience for both people. That is like two bodies, you know what I yes. mean? And it's very natural. But once you get into that like um, vulnerability with somebody, I think that a lot of times they're scared that it's going to turn into like a committed relationship thing, which is like, first of all, why are you so scared of that? Like that's also a natural human pattern to find love and to connect. Yes. You know? Yes. But also the other thing is like, once you are that free sexual woman in front of them, that's all Be they free. think of you as. They think of you as just like this woman who is down to do those right. things. Mm. Where it's like, it's not that, 
you get to benefit for the fact that I'm sexually liberated, but that doesn't mean that I am the person that you think that I am. Wow. This is the thing. The market is constantly fluctuating around the value that we place on intimacy, sex, singlehood, whatever. And so there's no fixed anything in our journeys around relationships or not wanting a relationship. Um, to put this in economic terms, it's like the value changes in, in all of those areas. Also, intimacy and sex are two so different things. But not so for everybody. They're two they so need to different. understand they're that they're different me. things. Yeah. That they're two so different things. They're two so different things. Yes. They're such different things. And I think that like ultimately, like if 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 the way that you have sex is like intimate always, like, and you need that, then that's great. But I think that some people could like lower the stakes a little bit by realizing that not everything has to mean like so 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 much. Well, it, yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. But also, it's like I also think deep, deeply. What it really is is it's like we all wish for that moment when sex feels like more. Yeah. And every single time we have sex and it doesn't feel like more, we have questions with ourselves <gasps> about why that was. Was yeah. it my fault? Was it his fault? Could it get better in another time? Do I feel time? good about this? Do I feel bad Do about I this? Do I judge myself about it? Yeah. And that's something that's been like a whole journey, I think, for everyone. Is it's just yeah. like especially living in a culture where sex is like vilified. You know what I mean? Especially Not being vilified. It's just, no, well, it's, it's fragile. It is made to look like a bad illicit thing for many and the, years. And I well, I think also like in, as a woman, like as a woman, having, it's worse having yeah, sex with straight men. The, the, what, what I take from what you're saying, Matt is like the intention versus the aftermath is often two things. It's like the thing where like you're watching porn and you're like typing in your search words and then afterwards, once you nut, you're like, what I don't hell? even know what the fuck what yeah. that was. Right. Like, yeah. who is that? I don't know who that is. But it exists with just you. And, uh, so yep. you. and so you don't have like a narrative back and forth about it. Whereas when you have sex with another person, you have to leave that situation knowing that you shared it with someone else and they have an emotional conversation that they're having with themselves about but which it. Which is worse, like, because when you're just left with your own thoughts and search words, there's no exhaust valve, so you're just like, well, this is my shit. Mm -hmm. I think it's always going to be worth worse when you have questions about what someone else felt about it. I kind of feel like the, the, the pattern that I get stuck in is that... I feel sexually free. I also like am a uh, horny and a sexual person. And so when I'm attracted to somebody or on a date, that's something that I'm looking for is like that fun hookup at the end of the night, whatever yep. like degree of hookup that is. Yep. Yeah. And I don't like to do the mental game of commodifying access to my body mm -hmm. in terms of a relationship. I don't like to hold back to get something down the line. Yes. I don't like to engage in that. And and I think that men are very excited when I am sexually down and excited and want to fuck. But then they get into this narrative of the commodifying of my sexual access and then once we fuck, it's like you are fuck. You are no longer a like human. once you person. fuck, you are fuck. 
And, you know, maybe people would say, like, you have to let the emotions grow before the physicality grows. And I think that there is, um, you know, an argument to that. And, 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 you know, sex is better when you have a deeper connection. But I'm not always in that place. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I have sex with a lot of people once. Because I see yeah, the look in their eyes sense. when it's done. And I'm like, this has you changed your good. view of me. Yeah, you feel like they come out. Do you feel like a notch on their bedpost? This has changed your view of me, and your view of me is not accurate. And right. I did you a favor. Right. And, like, yeah. you're not even paying me, like, the respect that I deserve yep. for, like, why can't this just be a mutual nice thing to do yeah, to somebody? Yeah, you're to right. to make somebody else come. That's Sex a, should be mutual aid, and that's a rule of culture number nine. <laughs> Sex should, should be mutual aid. aid. Community fridges. It's, it's just so different in the community that Bowen and I are in. Yeah. It's so different because it is it, it it's like you know, transactional is not the right word. It's just so like um the 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 terms to arrive at, the terms to arrive at the finished product let's say are like constantly fucked up and weird. I don't know. I think it no, can be no, there's no set terms of agreement to arriving in sex. Mm. Yeah. I think which also applies to heterosexual I think that, that for way. for a woman entering sex though just as this is me guessing it must feel like you know as I'm entering a sexual situation with this man this heterosexual man like it, there is a lot more going on interior because I as a woman like have something to sort of like lose here because this guy is just for your that's from, the narrative that's yeah. the narrative that I reject that is the right. narrative and and don't get me wrong the narrative seeps in and yeah. I can go there you know what I mean yeah but as a fucking liberated woman who has done the work and educated myself on my own oppression I reject that narrative yeah but I'm confronted with that narrative with the other person constantly yeah. whether it's conscious or subconscious yeah and and you know maybe sometimes it's in my head i also feel like i i try you know sex is complicated for men too i think that there's a lot of like nervousness and performance anxiety oh, yeah. and like you know i think that, that that there's a whole bag of worms there's there's so there's so much on either side you know what i mean yeah. i guess my ideal sexual situation and you know if you know somebody if you're listening right now and you know somebody who's down for this Please reach out. And if they have a good job and are well-educated and read, that's that's really kind of a requirement. And, and I want to say that with the caveat. Um, uh, 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 because, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to find our partner as well. But, but be that, as safe as you can be. I be, be as safe as you can be. As safe as you can be. When there's risk, there's risk involved. There's risk involved. And, you know, they don't have to have the PhD. They just have to enjoy their work. You know what I mean? And, like, be passionate about it and be good at it. Yeah. Um, um, but, like, I guess what I'm looking for is, like, if I can't find that um, soul that I want to connect with and be vulnerable with and, like, fall in love with, I wish that I could find liberated individuals who um, were interested in mutual pleasure and kindness. Yes. Yeah. That's that. That's what it is. This is this is summer of cunt for all of us, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's just like men just have to not be like weird stupid fuck boys and uh, which applies to but but if you're gonna be then make sure the other person is a weird stupid fuck boy too yes because like for me it's like i think there's like i feel like it's like there's like people that are your friends and then there's people that are your friends where there's sexual chemistry and in the gay community i feel like it's like 
we've sort of figured out because like the the situation that we're in is like so not sexually standard because we're outside of like a heterosexual paradigm it's like if you have sexual chemistry with a friend of yours and it's mutual like sex is part of the way you just hang out with that friend and so mm. i almost wish that like, i have those people yeah but i almost <laughs> wish that was more of an accepted i wish people would just treat sex with the respect that it deserves yes but also as the thing that's like natural and could be fun and doesn't have to be this thing after where it's like someone won or someone like feels like they got something out of it and like took something from someone else you mm -hmm, know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's it's too it's too um complicated i think sometimes there's 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 a there shouldn't be a flag involved it's not a capture of the flag mission yeah yeah um and you have to take people's feelings into account and like you know what i mean like it should be a great experience for everyone involved and it shouldn't just be an experience for an experience's sake because people people a lot of people feel really um invaded because of it a lot of people yeah. feel like like compromised because of it like i don't know the, there should be more communication best, there should be more communication the best sex that and i think that that is something i need to like really know that i want going forward and like you have to set the tone the best sex that i have had recently was like with somebody who i had like slept with many times before and had been like a long period of times before we had slept with each other it was quarantine and we were like okay like you know is this the vibe yeah and there was sexy communication beforehand mm -hmm. and like i like was like let's show up for each other and like yeah. it's quarantine and it's been a while and like let's make it worth it if we're gonna like break quarantine yeah. and like let's like really be there for each other mm -hmm. nut to nut honey nut to nut. is your nut negative it is mine is two let's nut together let's not feel like yeah that's th that's it it's ku3nt colon let's N nut Let's nut. I feel like it's um, important to nut. Yes. I had something else to say, but I realized we have we have gone so long and we have to get to I don't think so, honey. We have to get to I don't think so. Before we do, we should just say Gaslighter, the album by the Dixie Chicks, aka The Chicks, the Chicks is fucking amazing. Incredible. Incredible. And work. we've all been enjoying it. And we haven't really touched on much culture, but that is the culture that we three are experiencing right now. Yeah, and I would say we haven't touched on much culture, but the three of us together is is a culture. culture. It's culture. <laughs>
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Matt Rogers from Las Culturistas. And I'm Bowen Yang. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the U.S.? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. In every episode, hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of laundry and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia and Intuit QuickBooks. Shall we? We shall. Uh, this is I Don't Think So, Honey. This is where we take one minute to rail against something in culture. Uh, I have something, Matt. Do you have something? I do. Okay, I so do. traditionally Matt goes first, and let's keep up with tradition since this is a traditional episode. Matt, this is Matt Rogers' I Don't Think So, Honey. His time starts now. I Don't Think So, Honey, Zach Efron, and the conversation around Zac wow. Efron. Because recently I saw a little article that was like, wow, Zac Efron's new dad bod. Okay, we have to understand this is not a dad bod. This is what happens when you have a lot of help from a lot of substances, maybe illegal, maybe not, and you sort of age. This is, and you sort of become like what Zac Afron is now. You could not achieve this type of body without outside help. And I feel like there's sort of like this toxic conversation about around like his looks as if they're natural. His looks are not natural. Oh my goodness. And so having a conversation with him without saying that is to me dangerous, especially with gay men, 15 seconds. which I've seen a lot of gay men actually discuss online, which they should be. Also, I don't think so honey Zac Efron because I can't see him in a musical with this body. He needs Five to seconds. be slim enough to dance. Uh-huh. I want to see Zac Efron dance and sing. If not, I don't think so, honey. And that's woman. And you think that with that body, he cannot dance. I just feel like I can't take him seriously if he were to start singing and dancing and I want Zac Efron singing be- and dancing. He should be in dancing shape, you... not bulking up in the woods shape because that's really the only acceptable thing we can accept him as as a screen presence because we've now seen what happens in the aftermath of whatever he was doing to get his body the way it was in like Bad Grandpa. Sure, but for you to, for you to box him into a Link Troy 
box. He should stay in that box. No, uh, no, this is something I really feel about him is it's like, that's what he's best at. He's most charming doing that. And it is heteronormative culture. It is toxic masculinity that drove him away from what he's truly gifted from. And then he peeked back in with Greatest Showman and was so charming and lovely in that movie. And it was so fun to watch him return to that. And now all of a sudden he's like, what like left being again. the revenant in the woods like what the hell is happening yeah. in this new show and then everyone's like talking about his body transformation i'm like you want to talk about his body tra- transformation let's have a discussion about superhero bodies the transformation let's have a discussion about chris evans's body and why it is the way it is the transformation it's not is, from working out just naturally the transformation is going from 10 percent body fat to 15 let's say it's not even that drastic he i there's not there's not even any way there's that much of body, yeah. body fat on him and i just feel like there is a sort of you can really boil down the toxic narrative which is like this is what an in-shape man looks yeah, like yeah. seeping down to america and the world i think we can really talk about it with like zach efron and what he looks like right now yeah, because it's like yeah. to me like I don't want to like guess the way he's feeling, but like, I I don't know if that he doesn't seem to me like a necessarily super happy person because I don't know if he's like if this is him living his truth then God bless, but like he to me is like someone who got famous really young. The industry recognized him as someone they could probably turn into an A list star, and they did all sorts of experiments on him to make him what he was, and those have also been social because. I don't think he's talking in his natural voice. And I mean, no. like, I just have it's a lot of I mean, his, his whole celebrity is based around the dichotomy of, yes, I sing and dance, but not gay, not gay, not gay, not gay. Yeah, he is, li- he is literally hashtag no homo. Yeah. And it's like weird. It's be weird gay. to me. It's or not even be gay. No, I'm I, not saying actually be gay, but like, it's like, but it's like, it's like when guys at UCB would be like, I hate when you call it improv theater. It's like what you're doing is, is theater. gay. Yeah. What you're doing is theater and what you're doing is gay. And so just like fucking own it. Yeah. There's a yes. rule that you can't wear shorts. You have to wear pants. It's theater, bitch. Like you're up there. People paid to watch you perform on a stage, a thrust stage. Also, every <laughs> single woman at UCB has a fucking uh, BFA from like Boston Conservatory and like was yeah. a- absolutely the most highly trained musical theater actress who decided that she wanted agency and autonomy over what she performed. So she went to comedy and was actually low key the best person on your team, bitch. Becky Shacoin, Sam Reese. <laughs> fuck off. Not those fuck off to the guys. Fuck off to the guys. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Sorry. I just feel like, yeah, that that's, I, I'm standing by that because I just think it, it's a shame because had he been natural, he would, he be, would be a beautiful man. And I'm not attracted to what he is right now because it's like so much. Hmm. Anyway, he's not for me. I, th- I guess he's for straight men only now. I don't know. Anyway, this is Bo and Yang's I Don't Think So Honey. And his time starts now. I Don't Think So Honey parking. <laughs> it's the most inconvenient, stressful part of driving. And why should it be at the end? You know, to end <laughs> off the journey of driving with the most stressful. That's not how structure, the, a narrative structure works. It shouldn't. The climax should not be at the end. It's so stressful and... There's no moment to really like digest and take in the accomplishment that is parking. If you've parked a car, you are a superhero. And you there's no room in that narrative arc for you to really appreciate yourself and the task that you have accomplished in parking a car in any space, whether it's parallel, whether it's in a lot, whether it's demarcated by lines, it is a huge deal. And parking, structurally, it's flawed. The seconds. positioning of parking is flawed. And... 
you know, there's a lot of gray areas around whether or not you, you pull the emergency breakup or um, if you're in a stick shift. Five seconds. Uh, you know, so parking, I say uh, abolish parking. Let's just leave our cars wherever is most convenient. That's one minute. Everyone in LA and, and anyone, anyone outside of New York listening to this just rolled their fucking eyes. <laughs> Bo and Yang, uh, the cusp of 30, finally r- arrives that parking is not fun. My other I don't think Sihoni is going to be the um, colorism in Indian matchmaking, but that's for another time. I feel like, yeah, that's maybe for another time. That's for it another was important spot. that you landed on I parking. don't think so, honey, parking. parking. The concept, as a con- uh, parking as concept. Yeah, he doesn't, he thinks that the car should just, I don't know, go somewhere else when yes! you're not driving it. There should be, you should be able to leave your car wherever you want. It is it is bad. I'll give you that. It's bad. This is Sudi Green's I don't think so, honey. And her time starts now. I don't think so, honey, organizing your books by color. <laughs> your rainbow ass millennial ubiquitous aesthetic ass bookshelf. Okay? First of all, books are for words, not for colors. <laughs> Second of all, we all know that you're keeping that pink book, not because you read it, not because you loved it, but because the pink spine okay, is severance. fitting very well in your ombre literary uh, style. Ooh. Um, if you organize your uh, books by color, you're basically saying to the world, I'm illiterate. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, only uh, devoted to aesthetics and like, yes, seconds. maybe this is snobby, but guess what? Books are snobby. They're inherently elitist and I think that's okay and that we should be cool with that. Um, I don't think so, Five honey, seconds. if you posted about this and um, you're not important and everybody does it and it's lame. And that's one minute. Wow. wow. Books are inherently elitist. Honestly, it, organizing books by color, that's just so confusing. How would you find anything? Remembering that a certain book is blue? That's exactly it. It's yes. like, then these books aren't functional for knowledge. Oh. It's purely aesthetic. I mean, also, it's, it's got to be a rule of culture number 44. Books, books must, must be, be organized, organized by, by author. author. No. Uh, they must be organized by author. Or at least by general subject. No, but no, the rule of culture number 94 is books are for words, not colors. Books, books are, are for, for words, words, not colors. colors. Here's the thing, though. Let's say you have a normal That's people true. where the spine is green and blue. What are you going to do then? Huh, honey? You got to figure that break out of some. You put it. On the that's actually an easy one. But let's say there's a two You'd color put it between G and B on the Roy G. It's Bimster. counterintuitive. If the, the whole organization is counterintuitive. Exactly. If the spine has multiple colors on it, what you gonna do? You're gonna put it in the middle of where it would be on the color scale. But this is just to say Dominant that color. books are books literally contain multitudes, and so you cannot reduce them down to a single color. There I organize my clothing by color. That's fine because that clothes are about color. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for validating me. Absolutely. Clothes are for color. I mean, not as you words. can see, I do not organize my books by color because I only have two books. <laughs> Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow and Jessica Simpson's autobiography. Thank you. Called Open Book. Open Book. Which I've read neither of them. But it's not that I only own two books. It's that all my books were in New York and I moved. And you can't really, books don't travel well. And of course, all seven Harry Potters were too heavy to bring, uh, to to really transplant from there to here. And I wouldn't now anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would say I'd rather you have two books than a hundred books and organize them by color. Yeah. Yeah, And also, where would I put them in this place? Where would you put them? You'd get a bookshelf. You'd get a bookshelf. (laughs) It's a great point. 
Well, this has been <laughs> our third summer of cunt. Uh, I think it's probably one of our most thought-provoking. I mean, I thought we provoked thoughts for sure. Absolutely. And I think that if we've left anyone with, with anything from this episode, it's that they have to watch Disney fairy tale weddings. Absolutely. Or shut up and sing, Dixie Chicks. We which we watched last night, and I actually had already seen, so I felt okay to fall asleep during it. He fell asleep. But what did you guys think of Shut Up and Sing last night? Loved it. Loved it. I loved the logistics of touring. That was my favorite part. Honestly, that was my takeaway. It was like the manager artist relationship and the meetings. I liked seeing the production meetings. I liked um, that a publicist was a subject of the documentary. Sandy Berger. Sandy Berger. And she and her beautiful curls was just pacing around that Rolling Stone photo shoot being like, I, this is this, the this. way I can boil her down is just, just in one word. No, no. No, no, that's Sandy. Well, Cindy, Cindy, fag, fag, fucking faggot. <laughs> well, Matt, any closing thoughts before we before we leave? I would say I have a closing thought. Okay, it's gonna be the most amazing night. But Sudi should have the closing thought. I love you, cunt. <laughs> we love you. Thank you for coming back for a third summer of cunt and a fourth episode. I'm honored. It's gonna be the, the most, most amazing. amazing. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new bubbly burst. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.